Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. We are still talking about uh, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19. Are we good up there, guys? Somebody, okay, thank you very much. And, and so if you want to turn there, let me pray for you, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Father, that your word teaches us that your Holy Spirit, as a gift within us, Father, sorts. He places those things that are pertinent to us on a day-by-day basis in, in, the, in the soul of, of man, Father, to help us understand and process, Father, how your word applies to us on an everyday basis. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about willingness and obedience. It's my opinion that the church largely has the obedience thing figured out because they always know when they're disobedient. I think the willingness part is a little bit more difficult because we think as long as we do what we're supposed to do, that that's probably okay. But actually what God wants us to do is to have a willing heart in what he calls us to do, not just an obedient heart. And, and that's a difficult thing because here's why. Most people establish what they want from God based to some degree on their own desires. So when they don't get that, whatever that is, they don't necessarily put that in a, in a, in a position related to willingness. We're not willing in, in much of our, of our Christianity. We're oftentimes not willing to, to live without what we want. And so we press into what we think we want and, and we have scriptures for it and we do all those kinds of things. And, and in reality, what we ought to be is willing to live under the guidance and the direct hand of God. Because when we are willing to live under the direct hand of God, what we'll find is he'll give us what he knows we need. And sometimes that's different than what we want. And so I just want to process that with you. We're going to take all the time that that we need uh, over over where we've already been at this eight or nine weeks. And we're just talking about uh, how do we accept God's definition of willingness? Because most of us, you know, I've I've been an athlete. um, Not now. Uh, I I can still run run and jump in my mind, but I can't really do it in my body. Um, But I, I, I I never considered losing I, my desire was always to win. And, and um, it, at this point in my life, as I look back, it's those games, you know, those athletic events that you lost based on one or two little turns of, of the thing. Those are the ones you remember. And, and uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't remember all the wins. And, and in my athletic career, I, I won more than I lost. But I remember... In high school, I remember two significant losses. In fact, the only losses we had my senior year were to the two worst teams in the league. So we should have probably been undefeated that year, but we lost to the two worst teams. In one of the matches, everybody was sick but me. And I'm dribbling down the the sideline um, by the coaches, by the benches, and by the scores table and and all that kind of stuff. And I'm I'm going about as fast as I can go. And... and, uh, I wasn't known for my coordination necessarily. And so I got about half court and bounced the ball off of one of my extra large feet. Out of bounds it went. And we lost by one. I'm not terribly willing to lose. It causes me to have an attitude. 
I do that today, even in games and different things like that. My grandchildren know that, that if they're playing games with grandpa, grandpa is not going to give them a win. They, they better come to play. Now, I'm not saying that's right. What I'm saying is when we identify what lives in our own heart, we want to win or we want to have our own way. And when we deal with things of the Spirit, we realize that our own way, and you're going to hear a lot about this in the main service today, our own way means that we start from a natural position. Here's what we want. And we ask God to help us from a spiritual position. Okay, let me say that to you again. When we are motivated by our own desires, we start from our own desires in a natural position. Here on this earth, I want these things. And then we ask into heaven for help or scripture or whatever. So he will help us get what we want. I contend that we should always start with our spiritual, that let our spiritual part inform our natural part. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith should inform your sight. That's the difference between willingness, spiritual willingness, and spiritual unwillingness or rebellion. Is that our natural almost always reaches to the spirit, and I believe that that is backwards. Your spirit and your spirit world understanding should inform your natural understanding in every aspect of your life. And so when you go through things you don't like, and we all probably do, when you go through things that don't fit with your desires, sometimes what's happened is your information in the natural didn't align itself with God's plan in the spirit. When that happens in many people's lives, it manifests itself outside the character of Jesus Christ in our life. You may not have liked what happened in relationship to politics or the, or the, the pandemic or the economy. You may not like those things. But when you leave the character of God to express it, you are, you are but a natural man. Because our, our spirit guy and our, our spirit understanding should inform our natural. See, that's why this willingness is so important. Tracy asked me, I think last night, she says, now what was it that you were teaching at the last day, you know, and all that? And I said... I said, you have to prepare your heart to seek the Lord. She said, oh yeah, prepare your heart. I said, no, you have to prepare your heart to seek the Lord. When something happens, and it doesn't make any difference what it is, if your heart is prepared, you will look to the spirit world first, not second. Right? And so you'll be prepared by preparing yourself to seek the Lord. We don't know what's going to happen. Right? Now, I may not be right about end time events, okay? But I don't think we're going to be here. I'm a believer in the rapture. I'm a pre tribulation rapturist. You don't have to be, but there's no reward for being wrong longer. But anyway, <laughs> you can be a mid tribulation rapturist. You can be a post tribulation rapturist, or you can throw the whole idea out the window. It doesn't really make any difference to me how you do that. But the thing that makes the end of the age important to us is our willingness to understand that whatever happens is obviously what God planned. And being willing to say to myself, you know, I say to myself, I think I'm out of here. But if not, 
then I'm prepared. What does that mean? I've already sought the Lord. God, how hard is it going to be not to take the mark if I need to, if I, if I need to feed my family? Right? And, and some people are going all kinds of weird stuff into all of that. And, and you know, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just preparing my heart to seek the Lord. I actually think I'm right and I think I can prove it. You know, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 9 that um, this cutout time of the, the last seven years of, of Jewish history and Jewish time happens. And, it, and it's called, you know, the, the, the Great Tribulation. And actually, it's a tribulation. The Great Tribulation is likely the last half or the last three and a half years when, when the earth's time goes back into Jewish time, 30-day months. Because they didn't know we revolved around the sun. They assumed everything revolved around us. So their time was lunar. Every 30 days. And then every two and a half to four years, somewhere in there, they added a month or two just to make up for it. Because they realized that had they kept up with their stuff, winter would have eventually been in June. <laughs> because, <laughs> oops. And so, you know, when you start doing that and you, you don't have anything to, to reference that with, you have to be willing to understand what it means to be obedient to God in that area. To be obedient to God in a time frame that he has orchestrated. I personally believe that 2024 is one of those time frames that he's going to orchestrate. You say, well, what does that mean? You'll have to seek the Lord. That's the point. Amen. Here's uh, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So willing again is positively inclined to respond to authority. I keep telling you this. I'm going to keep emphasizing this. Willingness is always tested in the laboratory of authority. Willingness is always tested in the laboratory of, of authority. It doesn't do you any good to be willing to, to be right. It's when you're willing to adjust... That it becomes an issue for us. Because authority, whatever that authority is. How many of you know that there are certain kinds of authority on the earth that we're to respond to in a positive way? Doesn't mean they can make us do what we don't want to do or make us go against the Bible. But rather, they give us instructions to benefit us. I have problems with a lot of that. Because I don't know how much benefit it did. I remember when the seatbelt laws came out and I had one person in my other church and and she came up to me and she says well wouldn't it be worth it if it just saved one life how many of you know if you're unwilling to hear that your response is well no if it only saves one <laughs> right yeah i mean why because you're giving up everything for one person how many of you understand that's what jesus did but you see, it's hard to be willing to do that, to lay down your life, your opinions, your attitudes for that. And that's where we are. So we talked last week about how do we accept God's definition of willingness. And we looked at Philippians chapter 2. We said, let this mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. The implied subject is you. You allow this to happen. Christ-likeness is not something that we do, but rather it's something that we get out of the way of so God can do it. Allow this mind to be in you. Well, how do you do that? Well, get out of the way. Most of the time, you need to get out of the way with your opinions. Yes and amen. All right? How many of you are pretty sure you know what God needs to do for you? It's called a prayer list. <laughs> Write it down. Here's what God needs to do for me. God, I'm praying for this. And we remind him every day. I'm not saying he doesn't do those things. 
I'm just suggesting to you that you will have 100% success in your prayer life if you only pray what God puts on your heart. Because that's what he's prepared to do. When, when God was wandering through the garden looking for Adam and Eve, he said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't because God lost him. God knew exactly where he was. He was asking a question so Adam would consider where he was. I'm naked and I'm hiding from you. I was scared. God said to him, who told you you were naked? If you think about this, they didn't have a word for naked. They didn't have a word for naked until somebody told them. They weren't born with clothes. And I don't want to make this goofy or nothing, but, but you understand that when he used a word that meant the lack of clothing, someone had to lead him down that road. Somebody had to lead him down a road of considering the natural before he considered the spiritual. And so they sewed together leaves and covered their parts. Where'd they come up with that? In the embarrassment of sin came shame. And shame brought covering. See, that's the willingness to be. Let this mind be in you. We naturally gravitate to the natural side of things before we consider the spiritual things. So he says, let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. And he said, goes on and says, not to be, to be um, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now, again, I don't want you to get goofy about this, but just ask yourself the question, who do you look like in the spirit? You're made in the image of God. It should not be considered robbery for you to be similar in scope and likeness to God because that was the model that was used to make you. Now, not your flesh, right? You all look like your lineage and your flesh. Probably if we stood your family all up together, we'd go, oh, that's why you look that way. Because there it would be. And then some of you, you would have to ask the question, you know, are you adopted? Because you don't, you don't look like what your family looks like. You know, it took a long time. In my family, my dad had red hair. And of course, everybody asks us, where did we get a red-haired kid? Well, my wife's family has all kinds of red hair. In fact, Donnie used to be red-haired. Now it's not. So, amen. And the second thing we looked at was in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's just turn there. Again, trying to, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I said second, I mean first. It talks about in the 16th verse that we have the mind of Christ. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him. The natural thing that happens is when we know, have intimate, physical, experiential knowledge of how something works... We use that to inform the spirit world. Here's how it works. Lord, I looked in my cupboards and I don't have enough. Lord, I don't have enough. We use our natural to inform our relationship with the spirit. That's backwards. In the spirit, we've never had a need. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 8, it says... That, that the Lord knows what we need before we ask him. There's a scripture in Isaiah that says that the Lord, and it's talking about Israel in the end times, but, but nonetheless it says the Lord answers before we ask. I like that one. 
The Lord is answering before we ask. I only gave you two. There's, there's several. But, but would you please consider with me that if you stay over here and consistently ask from the nature and desire of flesh, you'll never understand what willingness is. So if you go over here, you'll be willing, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, you'll be willing to see what you have and live from that to the natural world. See, now you won't be embarrassed when you realize that God has given you everything, a sufficient overflow so that your needs are met and that through you others' needs are met. If you come over here, you think you're prideful. If you come from the natural, you think that, that you're prideful if you ask for anything more than the bare necessities that God would give you on this earth. But if you go over here, you see yourself in the spirit. You see yourself as having every need provided for and all sufficiency in all things. That's where we live in the spirit realm. If you have all sufficiency in all things and you live from that, you will expect over here to receive the sufficiency of heaven so that you can meet the needs of others. So when I say to people, if all you're ever doing is praying for your own needs, you're selfish. You're simply selfish. Because all you want to do is transfer from there to here and you're the only one that's blessed when your prayers are answered. God, give me more than enough. Let the cup run over. If the cup is running over, look for a bigger cup. Right? You say, well, I can't do that. Wouldn't that be prideful? No, it would be unwilling. It would literally be rebellion. He tells us over and over and over again. He says in Malachi chapter 3, in verse number 10 and 11, he says, um, 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 bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And test me now with this, says the Lord, and see if I won't open up for you the windows of heaven. Now, I don't know, but when you get to heaven, first of all, look for a window. I mean, he's giving us specific spiritual instruction to understand that from some point in heaven, stuff is poured out called a blessing. When we start over here, the blessing only affects us. So if you're going to expect to understand the willingness that God has, you're going to have to first and foremost live from the spirit realm first, not second. You're going to walk by faith, not by sight. When you walk by sight, you will make your requests known to God based on what you need. You will be the center of the universe in your need prayer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For who, for who has known the mind of the Lord? <clears throat> this is a, a question that you should ask yourself. Because when you think you know the mind of the Lord... You will actually, through your natural understanding, instruct him. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Okay, let's, let's do this in, in a way that will just step on all of you. If you've had children, you've done this. Because you've told God what you want for your children. Now, there's some things they do you don't want. And yet, in all the willingness that you have, you still get to experience. You know, I, I, I sometimes say it like this. The only one that gets to pay the stupid tax is the stupid one. If our children make less than informed decisions, they get to pay the stupid tax. Or 
they can live in a different realm of intellect. They can live in the mind of the spirit. They can start here. The number of people that I've have had appointments with who have said to me that they tried to ask God and it didn't work. What did they do? They tried to ask God for what they wanted. Now, I'm not opposed to you getting what you want. But if you get what you want, well, you want what you got. Come on. How many of you have ever gotten a raise and decided you could afford a better car because your payments are equal to your, your wage increase? Don't raise your hands. You know, you, you spent the money that was the increase to get something. And then, you know, like five years into the car payments or four years into the car payment, you're pretty much done with car payments. You're, you're, you're kind of frustrated. See, you gave away the blessing that God gave you for something you wanted. I'm not saying God doesn't want you to have a new car. Okay. See, you're missing the whole point. If you go up here, you will see yourself based on God's provision for you in the car that he chooses for you. And yes, it is that detailed. When Jesus happened upon the blind man and he picked up dirt and he spit in it to make a mud cake and plastered it on the eyes of the blind guy, where did he get the idea? The Bible says in John, Jesus speaking, he says, I only do what I see my father doing. What did he do? He it makes, listen, do not go out and start a spit and mud principle, okay? He was over here in the spirit realm. You say, well, he was fully God. He was also fully man. Fully man looked up and saw the father playing in a mud puddle. And he said to himself, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Now, I know that you're saying Jesus never ran out of things to do. Then why did he write in the dirt when he was dealing with the woman caught in adultery? What was he doing? See, a lot of people say, well, he was writing in the dirt. It might be that he was communing with the father. It might be that he took that time to close his eyes so he could see. It might be that he looked up into heaven to see how this was going to go and then did that. Because that's what the Bible says happens. Are you tracking with me? So when we operate, when it says, who's had the, uh, let me read it to you exactly, in verse 16. He has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. We know so much about God that from our position of need over here, we look up into heaven and we tell God what he should be doing. We instruct God. <clears throat> I knew you'd like this. I was really sure of it. But then he says, but we have the mind of Christ. The word for have there literally implies that we hold in relationship to. If I was to say to you in this kind of English, I have a wife. Her name is Tracy. Now, I don't own her. I hold her and she holds me based on the relationship of known intimacy that allows me to know her mind because of my experience with her and her to know my mind. That's why he says, and we have the mind of Christ. We have, we hold that in relationship with Jesus Christ. Inside of us lives the mind of Christ. 
You have a regular mind. How many of you know when you talk about body, soul, and spirit, that every part you have in your body has a corresponding part in your spirit man? It just doesn't do the same thing. In your flesh, you have a blood pumping muscle. In your soul, you have a seat of, of imagination and authority and emotions and intellect called a heart. In the spirit realm, you have the heart of the Father. When you get born again, your heart is magically trained, changed into the heart of the Father God. You actually have to ignore and reject the heart of the Father to do anything but that when you're saved. <laughs> you actually have to ignore the heart of the Father to do anything but that. We've had it completely backwards. We think we get over here and because of obedience, we'll do what God says to us to do. But we do it like a two-year-old putting his toys away. We do it in frustration and anger because we don't want to do that. But if we come over here and we start from the spirit realm, again, I'm talking about how to accept God's definition of willingness. We know that inside of us is the mind of Christ living in our brain, right? Do you, do you understand that if you hit your finger with a hammer, that it sends off millions of intellectual BBs in your nervous system? That your brain actually tells your finger, ouch. We had a pastor here several years ago in a neighboring town that came to our, came to our meetings. And they had a daughter who was born without the ability to regulate body temperature. So she regularly wore an ice-filled vest. And they were very cognizant of, of the temperature variations that she went into. They used to live uh, in another town and they had a, a small fire in their garage and they called 911 and the 911 operator says, where are you calling from? We're calling from our house. Get out of the house. You know, I think they live somewhere south, uh, maybe Phoenix It's like a thousand degrees outside and their daughter couldn't have couldn't have lived outside for any length of time. So they're calling saying I need, we need fire trucks. But what I really need is, is an officer with a car with its air conditioning blasting. Because when she runs in fear outside of this house and gets in there, she needs it to be cold to regulate the temperature of her body. Now you see, she's completely governed by her natural, her natural surroundings. Now, you can, you can make sense of that because of, of, of the illness or whatever happened to her. You can also say in all your, your great, you know, belief system that, well, God ought to heal her. God already did heal her 2,000 years ago in Jesus Christ. The manifestation is the difference between where you live and where you, where you, where you think you live, you know. Right? The manifestation exists in the difference between this position in heaven and this position in the natural. It's on its way in between. You say, well, I don't understand that. Well, that's because you keep coming down here and you tr keep trying to impress God based on the magnitude of your need. When you give God the magnitude of your need, you're actually living with a picture of a small God. Because you're trying to get God to move based on the size of your need. When I teach this to pastors, you should see their faces. 
Because they all realize that just praying for their own needs, you know, churches need their heater fixed or whatever, and they oh God, you know, just begging God to fix their heater. I said, you got any money? No, we don't have any money. Well, they do, right? Because they're hiding it and they think they're hiding it from God. (laughs) If you want to fix your heater, give a gift. See backwards? What do you mean give a gift? Yep. When you live over here in the spirit realm, you're able to say to yourself, I see myself based on God's provision. I see myself with that fixed. You don't come over here in your natural world and say, I see that my heater is broken. Now your now your problem is bigger than your God. I know this is a subtle difference, but this is the difference between willingness and rebellion. Where you live from. Who has known the mind of Christ that he may instruct him? Please be cautious about this. Maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe you've been processing all wrong. You got over here, looked at your circumstance and told God what you needed. Your natural does not inform the spirit. You, you, right? You don't want to instruct God, do you? I mean, really. Do you only want your God to be as smart as you? Because if, if you'll step back from that for just a second, you will see the foolishness in that. Because the best smarts you had got you in some of the worst trouble you've ever been in. Because it wasn't only smart to God, it was only smart to you. Amen. Okay, so we hold within us. So that, that's last week. Do, how do we accept God's definition? Second thing is, how do we set our willingness? The word for set throughout the Bible, generally speaking, is the word like the, the boundaries of a river. Okay? His heart is fixed, Psalm says. Same word. It's given boundaries by something. Okay, so here's what happens. In the natural... We make up our mind about the boundaries of who our God is. What he can do, what he won't do. How he does things, how he doesn't do things. We make them up in the natural. And yet the Bible consistently tells us that he does exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ever dare to ask or think. So whatever we think up over here is always going to be less than God's plan for us in the spirit realm. So we go to live in the spirit realm and we say, I'm not a natural man, I'm a spiritual man. If you want to set the boundaries of God, and if you want to, you can just turn here to to 1 Corinthians, excuse me, chapter, oh, we're already right there. Look at the 12th verse of of this chapter. We're going to have to understand the last part of this verse. We have the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. I don't know very many people who don't understand that they got saved by the free gift of God. I think everybody pretty much, you know, that I'm associated with or that I, you know, says that, that, yep, God did that free. I brought nothing to the party, right? God made a blood covenant with us through Jesus Christ. We brought nothing to the crucifixion to provide for ourselves. We are net receivers from God. We bring nothing to the party. Right? You were not involved, other than being the guilty one, you were not involved in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. N- nothing, to, you wouldn't even have thought it was a good idea to kill Jesus. 
Okay, you brought nothing into this. And so when we get born again, the church teaches us now that you're born again, it'll cost you to do everything else and to get everything else from God. And so they'll teach you that you got to pray more. Why? If you want your stuff met that, that you tell to God, you got to say it more often. And yet in the Bible, it says you're like hypocrites who think they'll be heard by the multitude of their words. God is not listening to you because you talk a lot. In fact, I would contend that if you ever got in the presence of God, you'd be really quiet. Because the size of your intellect will be dwarfed by the glory of God. I, I'm always fascinated by when people tell me how much they pray without ever telling me how much they listen. You can dispense from most of the talking if you're with somebody that's smarter than you every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Just shut up. I have an acronym that, that I do when I'm dealing with people and people want counseling. I have it in my mind. It's the word wait. Why am I talking? If you're dealing with people, don't talk until God talks. Tell them what God says. Don't tell them what you think. I don't care if you've been through it a thousand times. If you've been through something a thousand times, it only makes you a thousand times stupid. You keep going through the same thing a thousand times? Come on, think about it for a second. You've been around the same mountain a thousand times. I mean, I'm just telling you right now, you wore your own path in the mountain. And then you sow seeds, just like the sower of the seeds. You sow seeds along the way. Where did you sow them? On the path you're walking on. And you wonder why they're not growing? You keep stepping on them. So it says in the 12th verse, let's look at this together. Now we have received, notice the context and the, and the verb tense. Now we have received. Now we have received. It's a very interesting principle that says before we do anything, God gives something to us. We have received. Past tense, the moment you got born again, you received the spirit that is from God. All you Pentecostal people, just tap your brakes for a second. Yes, talking, praying in tongues is a sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it might even be the initial sign, according to some, to, to some people. But it's actually the initial sign or the initial outflow it's not necessarily the initial sign because Titus tells us that the Holy Spirit comes in and washes us by regeneration of the word. If the Holy Spirit doesn't come in, you're not saved. He'll spend the rest of your life trying to get out. The initial sign of the out is some of the stuff that the church argues about. If we get the Holy, if we get over here in the natural and we get the Holy Spirit, the natural tendency is to hang on to it and to create dividers based on it. I have the Holy, that's a, I mean, that is denominational Christianity at its finest. We're going to build a wall and we're going to keep out everybody who doesn't think like us. Because after all, we obviously think right. Oh dear. And so then we pray, oh God, help the world. What do we want God to help the world do? We want God to help the world to look like us. Bad plan. We only look good to us. Because we're us. 
Notice it says we have received not the spirit of the world. There's a conflicting spirit that comes just like the Antichrist is opposed to Jesus. You have Jesus and his opposite is, is the, 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 the uh, Antichrist or against the Christ message, or against the Messiah message. So you have a spirit of the world that is opposed to the free gift giving spirit of God. And so anytime you hear the price tag, well, if you'll just pray a lot. When I hear the price tag from in, in a body of believers, well, you know, if you'll just do this, please explain to me how I had to do anything to make this work. See, we've, we've bought into a lie of willingness. I don't know how much of this to give you. In the Bible, there are spirits mentioned throughout. Now, I don't expect you to know all those things, but you have somebody who does. And in the Bible, there is a spirit of error and a lying spirit. A lying spirit works in the world. So the spirit of the world, one of his, one of his um, you know, minions, is, is, is this, this spirit that lies. And, and he will influence the world. So the world says the way to measure things is by the size of your house, the, the size of your bank account, and the type of car you drive. That's a lie. That's a lie. In the church, there's a spirit of error. And the spirit of error in the church comes to religious people and says, we, we measure our religiousness based on what we can get God to do. So if you'll just pray in tongues, or if you'll, and it's always that, all you got to do. Listen, start having a little bit of discernment in you when somebody starts their conversation with all you have to do. All you got to do. There are things we should do out of willingness, but we shouldn't do them to prove our willingness. See, if you see them from up here, you'll do them out of the willingness that is spiritual and it'll affect your natural. If you do them over here in the natural, you're doing them to accomplish something in the natural because you think you got it from the spirit world. It's so subtle and it's an error in the church. We all live in a spirit world. Whether you realize it or not, the spirit world is more real than the natural world. The devil and his group come to church every Sunday. The issue is, don't listen to him. He just came to get informed about what God has already done. If you'll operate like the devil has had his power taken away from the spirit realm, if you'll act like that, if you'll see that and see that you have the ultimate authority, the keys to the kingdom have been given to you, you will operate differently in the natural world because your spirit world will inform your natural. How do we set those boundaries? First of all, we have to be a, a, a purveyor or an understander of the free stuff. How many of you know there's a lot of free stuff out there? Do you know that the world's figured this out? 
If you've ever shopped in a Walmart or a Costco or a Sam's or a bigger store like that, they have these, these, these big um, kiosk type things. And when you, it has a motion sensor. And when you walk by it, you know what it does? It spits out a coupon. You take the coupon and you go buy your Tide. You ever, you ever seen that? So the world has figured out that if they'll give you free stuff, it'll affect your behavior. I talk a lot or occasionally about crumble cookies, not because I just think they're awesome necessarily. I just can't quite get my mind around how Starbucks, crumble cookies, and some of those people make gazillions of dollars selling stuff to us that's overpriced and not necessarily as good as it should be. Somehow the spirit of the world has said, it'll cost you to have good coffee. Now that's true, it will, but... I have a favorite coffee. It's grown in, in the mountains of Hawaii and the mountains of Jamaica. It's called, it's called Blue Mountain Coffee. Okay, it's, it's, uh, it's about $60 a pound right now. $60 a pound. When I stand over here, it's worth every penny. When I go over here, I have to see God giving me the coffee. You say, have you ever done that? No, not really. You know what I have seen? I have seen me giving that coffee away, which is way worse. <laughs> Has the people help us on our house? And I got it on sale. It's $275. You've got to buy it in a five-pound bag. Now, the work that these people were doing for me, they were doing for free. That's what God does. And you say, you're just taking advantage of them. I didn't ask him to do it. They volunteered. I said, can I pay you? I paid one of the guys. He was offended that I sent him a check in the mail. He, he caught me at, at this event one time and he had that check folded. It was a month later. He'd been carrying that check around just waiting to see me. And he says, Glenn, I cannot receive this from you. And he stuck it back in my chest. I should have bought him some coffee too. He'd have never given it back to me. But I saw myself giving the other worker coffee in heaven. I'm just here in the spirit realm. And I saw myself taking this, this coffee. And it comes in a, in a distinctive brown bag. <laughs> I'm going, you know, if you go, it just, just go into a, a, a any place and, you know, buy Boyer's or whatever. And it comes in a bag that's got their advertisement. This just is a brown paper bag with a tacky little label on it. And it just says Hawaiian Blue Mountain. Yes and Amen. It has a, a, a paper label with a blue sunrise on it. And, oh, it's awesome. And I saw myself giving it to this individual. And I went, man, I can't even get it for myself. I've got to give it away. Do you understand that by doing that, you tell yourself over here in the natural realm that God will obviously let you have that should you. You could spend your money however you want. But if you go back over to the spirit realm and see into heaven what God is doing, you'll do what he does. last time that person came to my house, you know what he brought? A little baggie <laughs> full of enough beans for me to grind for about three pots of coffee. I got my Blue Mountain coffee for free out of the gift I gave somebody else. 
I know this is different, but, but what happens is the spirit of the world gets involved and we start thinking only about ourselves. And we can't, we can't really, you know, kind of enumerate the free stuff. What did you do to deserve grace? What did you do to build your faith? Because faith is a gift from God. It's his faith. Have the faith of God. What did you do to receive mercy? I mean, on and on it goes, right? What did you do to receive your next breath? The God who holds your life in his hands. The point I'm trying to get you to see here is that, that when we get to this thing, we have to know the things that are freely given to us by God. Oh, just getting wound up. I'm already 20, 32 seconds, 33 seconds over. What's that? Yeah, 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 they're going to put up a stop sign pretty, pretty quick for me. It, it's always, you, you should sit, you know, on one of the wings so you can look at what I get from those yokels back there in the sound booth. But, but anyway, please understand that as we process this and when we get into this, what we're going to do is we're going to spend time talking about the free stuff. You are absolutely and totally 100% free to set your mind on the things above. You're free to do it. You can set your mind on the things that are above. As long as you're not distracted overly by what's happening over here. And then you'll set your mind on it. And you'll tell God what you need. And it'd be my opinion that you can tell God what you need all along. And unless it lines up with what he's prepared to give you, you're going to spend a lot of time wanting. And since he knows what you want or what you need before you ask, you might ought to contemplate why you have such a big prayer list about what God ought to do for you. I'm not saying God doesn't want to do those things, right? I'm saying you want to do that from over here. Amen? Amen. Okie dokie. Read chapter 8 of Romans if you would like to for next week and it'll maybe make it go faster. But I've already told God I'm just going to go at your speed here and, and I, I want you to get it so desperately. Because I think it's going to become a, just a life-transforming issue this year. It's because you're always, you're always going to have need. You know, the Bible says you always have the poor with you. Right? Always. Always. You cannot redistribute wealth, Christian or otherwise, and fix the problem of poverty. A wrong goal. We'll pick it up next week. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for teaching us by your word. Thank you for making your word rich to us, Father. Oh, Father, we see your, your word just, just dripping with, with richness, Father. It's the best meal we could ever imagine to have. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.